Welcome back to Mending Moments Podcast. In today's interview, I had the honor of interviewing Grayson Sears. Now, he's a young preacher here in North Georgia. He's also started a educational Christian podcast called the Level Ground Podcast. In the show notes below, I put in there the um, website address for his podcast and also the email. Uh, with his podcast, if you do need a Bible or anybody you know needs a Bible, send him an email and he'll be more than willing to send them a Bible free of charge. But in this interview, you're going to hear how God has saved his soul when he was a child, called him to the ministry, and even the struggles facing a young man uh, even after being called to the ministry. And again, if you know anybody that is going through anything similar than what is talked about here, or anybody that has questions, feel free to share this episode with them and even go a step further and share Grayson Seeger's podcast, The Level Ground, with them. And kind of they may be able to get some answers that will point them to God. All right, so if, if you wouldn't mind, uh, go and tell us a little bit about, about your childhood, about your growing up. Um, yeah, so my dad, he was a pastor. Um, that's all I know. Um, I was raised in it um, for all of my life, drove from church to church, place to place. Um, and honestly, still to this day, the roots that I got from that still run deep. Um, him carting me everywhere, it's kind of become a habit yeah. um, every Sunday every every Sunday night Wednesday night whatever um, church has become an absolute there because of daddy being a pastor and yeah. without that I don't know that it would be as important um, but as a child um, you know I when I was born I was born with brachial cleft cysts and um, if anybody knows me, anybody see me, they see scars on my neck, and I've been asked a thousand times where those scars come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, what they are is just little cysts, little knots on your neck that um, that have roots on them, and they'll grow kind of to your vocal cords, grow to your ears, grow to your uh, grow out. And they're supposed to affect those things. And the, and the doctor told mom and daddy that it could affect my hearing, could affect my voice, and so they done the surgery. It's pretty much experimental, and then. Um, Later on, they found out, you know, I'm fine because here I am, I'm talking and and um, and I can hear fine. And then after that, they diagnosed me with, with aortic stenosis, which um, is the condition where people, you know, fall out on the football field. One of the doors of the heart uh, didn't work right, didn't work correctly, and um, I was supposed to have open heart surgery. I mean, that was that was the thing when I got ten, when I turned ten years old. That was what we were expecting. Mom and Daddy prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And um, when we got uh, to the doctor, I'll never forget it, we got to the doctor. She walks in. She says, Miss Seegers, you're going to need to sit down and start saying, this stuff does not happen. This stuff does not happen. Mama's thinking I'm going to have to have open heart surgery, and here I am 10 years old. I didn't have care in the world. I didn't understand what was about to go on. But um, And she just kept saying it, and then she looked at Mama, and she said, you're not going to believe this. And then she said, Grayson's aortic stenosis is gone. And wow. um, they've been watching it for years, and I haven't had a problem with it since. But um, a lot of people call me a, a miracle child. But, yeah, that's pretty much growing up life, um, you know, raised in and out of church. And the son of a pastor. And son of a pastor. That's right. I am a PK. Yeah. You got I'm a preacher's kid. kid. Yeah. That's right. Well, you know, hey, somebody's got to keep up with the deacon's kids. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, give them a run for their money at least. <laughs> yeah, at least. So, 
So let, let's go a step further. Uh, you were saved as a child. Right? Yes. So um, what, what what age kind of what's? What I was like? so. I've known. I'm sure, like you did. I mean, they had told me, you know, um, hey Grayson, you know, when the Lord knocks at your heart's door, you need to be saved. When whenever you feel like you know the Lord is dealing with you, you know, you you call upon Him, you you, and you know, ask Him to save you, and He'll save you. And and they poured into me, but. I remember asking this question a lot, and this is a very cliche question with a very cliche answer. And I remember looking at them, and I think I was in mom and daddy's bedroom or I was in the kitchen one when I asked it. And I have a very vivid memory of actually asking this question. And I said, how will I know? Mom and daddy both looked at me and said, you'll know. I thought that was the craziest answer well that's I mean it wasn't at all what I wanted I was expecting some great grand yeah you know a light will shine on you yes yeah. you know some kind of prophecy that would shine down you know that would give clairvoyance yeah. and I mean really that was not the answer that I was looking for well I, rough guesstimate I'd have probably been six or seven at, at that time and uh I even remember this. I don't know that I've ever told anybody this. Um, we were watching It's a Wonderful Life one time at Christmas. I was probably about eight. And we were watching It's a Wonderful Life. And the whole thing about how pretty much God was trying to teach that guy a lesson. And I looked, I started crying. Mom and Daddy said, what's wrong with you, son? I said, well, I, I, you know, I don't want to get in trouble by God. And but that's what it was. That's what I was thinking was you know I had had this mental image of he was was lost and was running from God. A few years go by and welcome home where I grew up at um, my home church where I grew up at. Um, they had their first church camp and it was in two thousand six, two thousand seven, somewhere in there. And I'd have been nine years old. Um, and we were sitting in there and. You know, service was good that night. I don't even remember the service. I just remember everybody was crying and having a good time. I was fine in service. When I got back to the room, I laid in bed and I just could not sleep. What to save my life? I, my eyes were wide at the ceiling, and or looking at the ceiling. I tossed and I turned. I opened my Bible. I had a little. Uh, I had my Bible there with me, and um, and I was flipping through it, you know, trying to find something to read that would make me feel better, you know. Yeah. And I read and I read and I read. And the the whole time that I was trying to read, I was, um, they, I just kept feeling like if I died, I would go to hell. And just kept feeling that over and over again. <coughs> and and that's what it was. That's when I knew I was lost. And, I, and that was the first time God convicted me was laying in that bed. And I was crying. And... I was just about ready to pray and say something, you know, to to the Lord and maybe get something right. Well, then one of the the chaperones that was in our room walked in, noticed that I was crying, or I don't know if he noticed I was crying or heard me crying or what, walked in and said, Grayson, are you okay? When he done that, I got scared because I was like, here I am a preacher's kid and I've lived, you know, uh, tried to live a good life and I'm lost and... You know, and I was ashamed of it and very ashamed. And, and there's a lot of people I feel like they, they get in that same place. Yeah. 
they get to where they're ashamed of being lost. They're ashamed of uh, of the place that you've got to get before God can save you. Yeah. And I was for for about three years. That's how I was. I was ashamed of being lost, and and I ran from it. Um, it scared me terribly bad because I knew that that I was heading for hell, and also I was so embarrassed that I hit that night. At nine years old, I hit the ground running, and for three years, I ran as hard as I could. Um, it got so bad that everybody could see it on me, um, and it didn't matter where I went. There was preachers that would help my daddy in revival at churches he was pastoring. There was preachers that would help at Welcome Homes Revival that, that could see it on me. Um, it wasn't just uh, they thought I might be and I'd never made a profession, but they could see the change of color in my face. They could see all these things, and I, I fought it and fought it and fought it. And, and I remember a few times in in that period that um, one time uh, we had met for service at the church, and um, the power had went out, and there was no lights in the church, and we decided to have service anyways. Yeah. And meeting broke out. Well, then conviction fell on me, yeah. and I was like, well, um, you know, I... I, I need to pray. Well, the Lord was saying go to the altar, and I didn't want to go to the altar. So I turned around in my seat. I didn't do no good. Um, times in bed where God wasn't dealing with me, I'd be like, well, God, you know, um, you can save me now. It'll be all right. And and um, nothing would happen. And about two or three weeks, so, so that was a period of three years. And I was 12 years old when I ended up getting saved. But for a period of three years, um, Right at the end of that period, so maybe two weeks to a month before I got saved, I, I don't know where it come from. I don't know um, what caused it, but I was laying in bed one night, and it was 3, 4 in the morning. And for me being 12 years old, 3, 4 in the morning, I mean, there ain't many 12-year-olds at 11, 12-year-olds are staying up to 3. I could not sleep to save my life. Yeah. And um, I was laying there, eyes wide, looking at the ceiling, and... Out of nowhere, I don't know if it come from a um, come from a radio, come from a car going down the road, come from a TV, but I heard a sound sound like a trumpet, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, the trumpet's sounding!" And this is it, you know, I, I'm going to die and go go to hell. And so I was like, "Well, um, if I can make it through this, and you know, I'll get saved." Well, then every time. I'd get opportunity after that, and I did get opportunity after that. I'd clam up, and I wouldn't go. And we had finally got back to church camp. It was in 2010. Um, I think it would have been about the third week of July, um, third weekend in July. And uh, we had gotten service, and it was Saturday night, and um, we had done everything all day, and I was fine. I mean, there wasn't nothing wrong. I was having fun. We get in service, and I'm nervous as a sore-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I mean, I, I was I was tore up, and and everybody knew it. They could see it. They could tell. Yeah. But I kept it together. And then there were two members of the youth at the time that had had prayer meeting um, down by the lake at where we was at, and they had come up, and you could hear them from down where the lake was, and they were shouting all the way up the hill, and. Uh, <clears throat> they walked into the church or into the chapel or whatever you want to call it where we were at and walked in shouting. Mm -hmm. And um, when they walked in, the Spirit of God fell on that place. 
and what was making everybody else happy mm-hmm. was scaring me yeah. to death. Yeah. And I'll never, I, I don't think I, that I'll ever forget that feeling. Um, I don't know if everybody feels as bad as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, if they did, I don't see how they sit through it because that was the worst I had ever felt. Yeah. Um, heavy death was just knocking at my heart's door and, and, I knew I needed to do something about it, but I was still scared. And so I bowed my head. I said, God, if tonight's my night, because I had seen with Daddy Pastor and I had seen other people go to the altar, pray, get up, go back to their seat, and then, you know, say they made a profession that they got it and they never they never got it, you know, they never got saved, and then later would get saved. Or I seen people go down to the altar and tool with it and then get up and not get satisfied. And I didn't want that to be me. Yeah. Yeah. And... So I told the Lord, I said, if you'll send somebody to hug me and then somebody to, or somebody to grab me by the neck and, uh, and hug me and then somebody to grab me by the hand and take me down to pray, then I'll know it's my night and I'll get saved. <coughs> I no more than said that and a boy come around and he gave me a hug and he said, Grayson, I love you. I can't wait till you get saved. And so then I was like, oh Lord. Like I, I no more than said those words and yeah, yeah. It, well, let's back up for a second. Um, I was sitting there, and this was happening, and before that, there was, the night before, two boys that was in the room, I think there was seven of us, two boys that I was in the room with had gotten saved, and then two had already been saved, mm-hmm. and then the other boys besides me had gotten saved just a few minutes before that. Um, wow. You know, so I was the only yeah. one in that room that was lost, and that's when I come to the realization and really knew that I was lost and I was the only one that wasn't saved. Mm-hmm. And when I realized it, it hit home. Yeah. And then I remember looking at Daddy, and Daddy looked down at me and he said, Son, what's wrong? And I said, I'm the only one in my church camp room that's not been saved. And Daddy didn't say, Can I pray with you? Can I? Daddy will tell you, God told him to, to leave me alone. Just let me stew on it, I guess. And, um, and so... Um, Daddy looked at me, and with tears in his eyes, he turned his head. And I felt like my daddy had left me at that point. I felt all alone. I ain't even got my daddy is what I was thinking. Well, then Mama gets up, comes around, and she prays at my feet. And she got in touch with heaven. Yeah. Looking back now, I know she did, but she prays at my feet. Well, then I look at her, and I want her to give me a hug. She gets done. She gets up. She walks off. I don't know where she went. Mm -hmm. And, um... And so I was sitting there and, and kind of, you know, and that's when I asked God, I said, God, if tonight's my night, you send somebody to hug me and then somebody to take me down to pray. And that boy come and he said that, Grace, and I, I love you, can't wait till you, till you get saved. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about yeah, this just, wasn't just, I didn't want to say this <clears throat> and somebody's grabbing me, turning me yeah, around. Yeah. And, um, and that's why, part of the reason why I'm a firm proponent in, now you don't need to go dragging people to the altar by no means. You yeah. don't go grab them and, and pick as the old preachers used to say, pick try to pick them before yeah. they're too or before they're ripe, and try to pick them green. But if God tells you to go to somebody and to talk to them, you don't have to say, "Are you lost? Do you need to be saved?" But say what God would have you to say to them. Yeah. I'm also a firm proponent. If God asks you to grab somebody and take them to pray, then do it. But it, you better make sure yeah. that you're under the unction of the Holy Ghost of God. Um, because I've seen it go both ways. I'm a prime example that God can use that. But I've also seen times where 
people have done that and it has hurt and harmed more than it has done good because they haven't done it under the unction of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. But my cousin came around the corner and he, after the, that boy hugged me, my cousin came around the corner, grabbed me by the hand. And he said, Grayson, I need you to pray for me. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, I, I can't pray for you. I, I've got to pray for myself. Yeah. And, um, I took off running. I, I ran off past him and honestly, the best way I could describe it, if I was going to describe it to somebody, I would describe it as I felt like hell was nipping at my heels. And um, I went around the side of the building, back to the center of the aisle, and then turned. And when I turned, I hit the ground. In a, If it was an average church, it would be kind of where the front pews end. And I slid from there up underneath a table that was at the front, you know, and, and they had like a communion table type thing up at the front. And I, I slid underneath that table. And I started praying. I said, God, you can have this. God, you can have that. I swallowed. Mm-hmm. God, you can take this. At the time, um, we had I had a PlayStation 2 and had Guitar Hero on it and had all the the popular games, whatever they were. I yeah. loved that thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that was probably, at that time, that was my most prized possession was my PlayStation 2. Yeah. And I was like, God, you can have my PlayStation 2. Thinking he actually wanted it. I mean, you know, <laughs> and, and he didn't. No. And finally, I had when I prayed everything I knew to pray, I had remembered Mama's testimony, and she said, "Lord, if you don't just if you don't save me, I'm just going to die and I'm going to go to hell." So, yeah. um, so I um, I prayed everything else I knew to pray, and tried to give God everything, and and I said, "God, if you don't save me, I'm just going to die and go to hell." And in that moment was when I was saved, and I felt something hit me in the center of my chest and go to the tips of my fingers, to the tips of my toes, and the top of my head. And, you know, I realized, I realized now at that moment, I was trying to give him everything else. All he wanted me to give him was my heart. Um, and that was the thing. I, I wasn't willing to, to open up and let him in. I was, in a way, I like to think of it, I had cracked the door and was trying to hand him stuff out of my heart. Here, you can have mm-hmm. this. But when I handed him everything I had to hand him out the door and finally just opened the door and said, you just just come in and be with me. Um, You know, and he he came in. The Bible says uh, that he would come in and sup with you and he would sit with you and sup with you if you would open the door. And it said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come in and sup with him. The Bible doesn't say nothing about him forcing his way in because he won't. The Bible also doesn't say nothing about him ever leaving. Yeah. And... And he's been with me ever since. But in that moment, I felt it hit me in the center of my chest and go to the tips of my fingers, tips of my toes. And and I said, wow, is this what being saved is really like? And I wanted to be sure. I didn't want yeah, to get up yeah, like a false yeah. profession. Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, God, if that's what being saved is really like, you let me feel it again. And I felt it again even stronger. Wow. And there was such a change made in me. I'll put it this way. There was such a change made in me that night that when I stood up and I turned around, well, I... I raised up on my knees and daddy was praying next to me. He's still praying. And I wrapped my arms around him and all I said was, Daddy, I got it. Daddy, I got it. I didn't need a preacher in my ear mm-hmm. telling me that I had it. Now, now there are times where counseling from a preacher is help um, to somebody that that just helps trigger something in them. But for me, I didn't need that. I didn't need a, a preacher coming in and saying, well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to be this way. Um, I didn't need to talk to nobody. God had made a change in me and I knew it and I claimed it. And I hugged Daddy. Well, Daddy takes off shouting, and he's shouting up and down the aisles, running <laughs> and uh, waving his hanky and everything else. And uh, 
Then when he done that, everybody just started flooding me, hugging. It was probably 30 minutes before I ever told the church I was saved. And um, then I didn't even think I had to. And I done forgot, you know, been in church all my life. You always tell the church. And uh, Robbie Ledford, the pastor, he looked at me and he goes, well, do you want to tell everybody else what happened? And I was like, oh, yeah, I got saved, you know. <laughs> and um, and I will say this, too. Um, it's crazy how God works. Um, not only was... My family praying for me was my immediate family, or my friends praying for me, my church family, but I had a godly grandma that prayed for me. And at the time, she was battling breast cancer. And um, and this just shows you how God works and how, how God does. She, had, she was taking chemo treatments. And she was sitting at her house on that Saturday, and God told her, and I will believe God told her. I don't, I don't know. She may have just wanted to go riding. I believe God, God told her. I, and I never asked her before she passed away, but um, but I turned around, had no clue she was there, had no clue. I turned around and looked, and even though she's on chemo and was weak, she had drove herself from Gillsville, Georgia, to Toccoa, Georgia, wow. had walked in with a walking stick and yeah. was sitting front row and had watched every bit of it happen. And I had no clue she was there. Wow. And... Um, so I, and I, I firmly believe that that was just a sign of how God works. And I will believe in my dying day that God told her that something was going to happen. But yeah, that's, I mean, I, I could talk about it all day and find other things <laughs> to talk about about it. But that's that's my testimony. That's when the Lord saved me. Um, my testimony's deeper than that, but you know. Well, a testimony's your life. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's when you come to faith. So, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. so let's, let's go a little step further then. Um, you know, she preacher called. Yes, that was. What was what was that like? When did it hit you? Like, God called me to preach. Mm. You know, well, and and what was the reaction of that? That's twofold. Um, and the first inclination I had, I was thirteen, and Daddy was pastor in Whitehall, and um, <clears throat> I had walked into the church, turned the lights off, and I walked behind the pulpit. And when I walked behind the pulpit. God just kind of spoke real softly. He yeah. didn't stop me dead in my tracks, but he spoke real softly, and he said, you'll stand here one day. You'll preach here one day. I just kind of brushed the guy. I was 13, and I just kind of brushed it off. I was like, ah, whatever. No, I, ain't, you know, it, I ain't going to preach. Um, and it was never a thought after that. Um, I had had people joke with me about it and stuff, but it didn't bother me. I, I never really ran from it. That wouldn't... I heard somebody say that there's a difference in God calling and God enabling. I don't know that that's the same thing, but I think God, what God was doing was giving me a warning and just saying, hey, this is coming for you. Just be ready when it does. And, and yeah. it may not happen to everybody that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, when it actually hit and I actually knew um, it was summer revival at Whitehall um, the next year, matter of fact, and um, 2012, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was about August 7th was the night uh, that I announced it. But the night before, I was there in revival, and the church was packed. And there were some things that happened um, at that revival, and some things happened with, with Daddy's revival help, and he ended up not, like, the who was supposed to help him ended up not being able to. And, and so it was a community thing. All the churches come together, and there was calling yeah. preachers from the floor. It was yeah. something different. I've never seen another revival yeah. like it that was just unplanned, and God blessed that way. And um, I walk in that night, and the church is packed. 
set chairs out. And there is nowhere else for me to sit but at the front of Whitehall Baptist Church on the left side, there was two wood chairs there. And I sat there, and if I'm not mistaken, I was sitting next to Caleb Riles. And um, up there at the front, and uh, that night, uh, Sunday night of revival, um, a girl ran up to the altar and, at, well, girl ran up to the altar and got saved, and I wanted to be excited, but I couldn't. It was like, a, there was just a block there. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to say something. I had been reading my Bible, and I was trying, and I stood up, and I tried to testify about um, about the fire being shut up in my bones and talking about what the, the prophet said, but there was a block there. And I didn't know what it was. Um, and so I, I was kind of like, this is weird, you know. It doesn't really make any sense. And um, so I had... Uh, I had sat down and I was kind of broken, honestly. And I I started praying and I said, God, I said, um, what's wrong with me? Am I not right with, am I not right with you? I'm not where I need to be. Am I not in good standing? And while I was in that service, before we left, God told me, I'm calling you to preach, you know, and um, I got sick as a dog. I mean, I don't think that I'll ever get as sick and as nervous as what I did. Yeah. So the rest of that evening, I pretty much tried to hide it. And we I think we left church, went and ate and whatever. And finally got home and I went and laid in bed. And, um, and I laid there in bed and I, it just kept resonating in my mind. You know, I'm calling you to preach. Or my heart, I'm calling you to preach. I'm calling you to preach. I'm calling you to preach. And, um, and so I was praying and I was honestly trying to get out of it. Um, I, I'd say, God, well, how are you going to use me? Because, um, you know, because I can't drive. And God said, I'll make a way. Mm-hmm. And I said, God, I'm shy. I, I can't, you know, I, I can't talk in front of people. And God kept on, kept on, just, I, I'm calling you to preach. I'm calling you to <clears> preach. <throat> and then finally, uh, I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. God told me to open up to the first cha- chapter of Jeremiah and to read about um, and to read about when he or called Jeremiah as a prophet, yeah. and still this day I, I carry just a part of it with me, and I, I'm terrible at memorizing scripture a lot of times, but I can tell you the gist of what it says close enough, and I may can tell you where it's at. But it said, "Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations." And then Jeremiah comes back and he says to him, God, I can't speak to him for I'm a child. I'm, I'm a kid. I, I have no mm-hmm. right to. And God comes back and says to him after that, Be not afraid of their faces, for I, the Lord thy God, am with thee. Yeah. And when I read that, God said, I need you to preach. Yeah. And that's when things changed. It hit, and I was like, I can't argue this. Um, and so from that point, that was probably 3, 4 in the morning. Um, you know, it was late. And from that point, the rest of the night, I, you know, I, I prayed. And, and it wasn't so much, God, let me do anything but preach. I did because I told the Lord before that. I said, I'll teach Sunday school. I'll sing. I'll yeah. do whatever you yeah, need. Yeah, whatever do. you need. Not preach. Yeah. 
And and part of that may have been I had seen my daddy and I had seen the good times and the bad times because preaching is not a bed of roses. Um, this journey is not a bed of roses. It's not an easy journey. Um, a man that does it and sticks with it, it's not going to be an easy road, yeah. but it's worth it. Um, yeah. And But I'll, I'll, you know... I'll talk more about that later, I guess. But Well, just from the dad's standpoint, my dad was a pastor too. You you saw after the service, mm-hmm. you saw away from the congregation, mm-hmm. just what went into 30 minutes, 40-minute yeah. sermon, and then beyond that, what kind of toll being a pastor could take on a man. Mm-hmm. You know, the up late at night, mm-hmm. phone calls, middle of supper. Yeah, hey, we need you. You got to go. I mean, it's... I, I remember times. Um... Sorry for the interruption. We had a break during our recording and uh, audio. Just wanted to kind of put this in the middle here and say that Grayson Seegers was going into the fact that whenever God called him to preach, uh, three memories came to his mind. Again, sorry about that. The three that I have. One is the first one was I was getting up, going to find a drink of water, and um, going to. Uh, you know, get something to drink. And I walked in the, the living room and it was late. And Daddy never went to bed. I mean, he, he was still up. And he was crying. And and I guess twofold with that, I've also seen my Daddy bowed in the living room praying mm-hmm. in the wee hours of the morning. Mm-hmm. He's not even making a sound. He's just bowed in there praying. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I remember seeing that. And um, then... Probably the second memory that I had that was I was kind of eh, was like you said I, I remember time and there were times when Daddy would get a phone call and he would have to leave yeah. or I would think about when and it, even at fourteen I I mean I, at fourteen even though I was immature and young I knew that one day I wanted to be married yeah. or I would like to be married one yeah. day I would like to have a family you know whatever and um. And so I would think about the times that Daddy would have to leave when I was sick, my sister was sick, left Mama with us, and um, I don't know why I thought about that, you know, but I did. And then, and then the third one, there was people that would just come. I, I remember, just without going into specifics, I remember Daddy preaching at church, and a feller meeting him at the back door, and saying. I enjoyed that this morning, but I tell you this much, I disagreed with you. Mm-hmm. And and jump on him over <clears> nothing. And I remember multiple times Mama just kind of rounded me and my sister up, getting us in the car so we don't see it. And 30, 45 minutes later, here comes my daddy, you know, getting in the car, just stressed out. And, yeah. and I didn't want that. But, and that was, was the excuses I was using because I had seen daddy but when God gave me Jeremiah chapter 1, I mean, it was like he burnt that thing in my heart. And uh, so I went from praying God take it away from me to God give me the grace to do it. Yeah. Um, and I spent the rest of the day. Now, I did ask God, God, are you sure? I did yeah, the rest yeah. of the day. I told yeah. God, I said, I'll announce it at church tonight. But I spent the rest of the day praying, God, are you sure that you want me to do this? Um, and that went on the rest of that day. I'm pretty sure I stayed, I, if I remember correctly, I stayed in my room 
you know, all that day and um, and just kind of stayed to myself. And I was praying, God, give me the grace to do it, but also saying, God, are you sure you want me to do this? And, and I will say this before I even talk about the rest of it. I've had multiple men come to me, young men, older men, and... And it's an honor that they come to me and, and want to ask me and talk to me about about it. But they've asked me, how did you know that you were called to preach? Or how do you know that you need to preach? Or what do I need to do? And, and I give every one of them this exact same answer. It's a good thing. So if God is calling you to preach, then don't think it's a terrible thing. Um, I think we've heard so many horror stories of what's happened to preachers that yeah. we've programmed our brains to think it's bad. Um, but I also warn, warn them if this is something you want to do, that's your first telltale sign, that's the well, first red flag way. Yeah. Hey, you crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, you ought to want to follow God. You yes. ought to want to do what he's called you to do. But if yeah. you want to volunteer for this work, that that just it doesn't add up. It, it waves a red flag. Um, but then I, I tell them this. I've heard preachers say pretty much all but tell a preacher to run from it. Um, I've heard preachers, they try to talk other preachers out of it um, and say, well, if God's really calling them, then can't no man talk them out of it. Yeah. Um, I've heard that. None of that stuff sits well with me. But what I do tell folks is, you know, when they come to me is, and this is just from my own experience of what I've done, a preacher don't need to don't sometimes they run and sometimes it's they I, I want to say they can't help but run uh, but they do they run from what God's calling them to do um, and anybody does anybody I mean if God has really put a calling in your life in some place we're apt to run the flesh does not want to have anything to do it um, and uh, that being said though me I didn't run and I try to encourage people not to run, but to pray and to, to see if that's what God really wants for your life. Yeah. If you can't get a plain answer, don't do it. If God gives you a plain answer, make sure. Yeah. And I, a matter of fact, I told a boy one time, he looked at me, I said, what's God telling you? I just put a plain. I said, what's God telling you? He looked, yeah. he said, I don't know. I said, then you don't do anything until you know. Yeah. First thing you got to do is you got to know. <clears throat> And then you pray and make sure. Yeah. And then you can go with it. But anyways, that I told God, I said, I'll announce my preacher calling uh, tonight at Revival. And I went in there. I was tolling with it. And I had my Bible there with me. And I was sitting there, same spot on the front. And uh, I can't remember. I think maybe Timberidge uh, Baptist Church, I think their choir might have been singing that night. And then there's a few people got up and sung special. And they, they sung special. And I was about to jump up and do it. Or I was, I was feeling like I needed to, to jump up and announce my preacher calling. And then somebody said, y'all sing that second verse again. I was like, oh my gosh. And so they, they sung that second verse again. And when they finished it, I didn't get them time to come off the piano to see if they was going to sing it the third time or go to their seat or what. I didn't, I, I wasn't about to give them. I just stood up and I said, y'all don't sing no more? I said, I got to do something. I opened my Bible and I read Jeremiah chapter 1. Yeah. And I read that scripture. I took my Bible and turned around and I threw it in the seat behind me. And all I said was, God's called me to preach. 
And when I did, it felt like a sack of taters was lifted off my chest. I mean, just like, yeah, it it almost felt like I I had this boulder pressing on me. And then when I done it, that boulder was took off of me. It's gone. And uh, and it, I mean, just in an instant. And honestly, I was scared because I didn't know what people would think. Um, I overthink a lot. I I really I overanalyze things. And even then, I overanalyzed things, and I still do now. And um, <clears throat> that was one of the things that I over was trying to overanalyze was what are people going to think? I was worried what my mom and daddy would think. Um, I didn't tell mom and daddy. I didn't tell nobody. Nobody knew this. Um, so I kind of, that being said, I kind of was throwing mama into something because somebody had to get me to my appointments, you know. Um, but uh, after that, you know, and after I'd done that, daddy... He cut loose to shouting again. So a lot of these big moments in my life <laughs> yeah, yeah. involve my daddy shouting at yeah. the same time, yeah. which is good. You know, it, right. it, it uh, helps me remember, you know, and yeah. daddy was shouting and I, I remember daddy saying, we've been praying for this. And I mean, I don't know that they was praying that I would announce my preacher calling as much as they were praying that, you know, whatever God would call me and whatever work he would call me into, then I would do it. But um, Daddy said we were praying for this, and Mama, she was over crying. I remember Chad Dale, he'll still bring it up and <laughs> say that, you know, he'd never gotten more tore up hearing somebody announce their preacher call. He's a laughing. I could hear him over oh, and laughing, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, um, and, of course, they got me up and shook hands. It, and in that moment, even though I felt great, I did not know what I was getting myself into. Yeah. That's not putting a bad connotation on this. But it is a high calling. It is, some people call it the highest calling. Um, and there's a lot of particulars behind the scenes that nobody <laughs> nobody told me about. I've made the joke a lot of times to my daddy because he's kind of like my at-home preaching coach. I don't want to say preaching coach, but at-home at home advice giver yeah. according to preaching. And, and I'll ask him different things and... and a lot of times I'll say, well, Daddy, they didn't put this in the handbook. Daddy, they didn't put that in the handbook. Nobody wrote a handbook about this, you know. And, um, you know, and, and even, you know, on, on my podcast, I had the episode, they actually wrote a handbook. Well, that's yeah. for life. The Bible doesn't necessarily tell you what to do when you've got a six-year-old kid in the altar crying because their hamster died. I mean, you know, these are yeah. things that yeah. y- you've got to, to balance out and, there have been hard times, very hard times. There have been times I've wanted to give up. There have been times I've wanted to throw my hands up and say, nope, I'm done. But right now, it's been, this August will be 11 years yeah. that I've been trying to preach. And I've got a list, and I wish I had looked for a come, and I could tell you exactly how many revivals I've helped in. And um, I, I mean, I, I've helped in upwards of 20 or 30 revivals. Just And this is just in the last few years. I went... A period of time where I didn't really preach a whole lot. A preacher named Shane Weehunt looked at me and said, Are you licensed? I said, Yeah. And he said, You know what that license means, don't you? I said, No. He said, That's a license not to be there. I said, Huh? And he went on to tell me that a preacher will dry up quicker that sits the preacher that sits on the home on the front pew of his home church will dry up quicker sitting there and God called you to spread the gospel. You need to spread it. You can't spread the gospel sitting in one spot. Yep. 
And that hit home. And I've had other people look at me and tell me that what I needed to do was uh, I needed to get underneath a pastor and him take me in as his apprentice. And uh, they'd put me in a Sunday school class. And uh, I'd teach a Sunday school class for a period of years till the pastor thought I was ready. Then the pastor would give me his contacts. And then I might could grow a ministry and this, that, and the other. And that's a bunch of hogwash. Um, when I just started praying every Sunday morning, God, where do I need to go? God started leading me places. Yeah. And I've been just, I've preached in uh, all over North Georgia. Um, I've preached in kind of between the pew preached at a church in North Carolina before. Um, seen countless people saved because of it. And I'm not saying I preached here to say, this is God opening doors and this is God working. And my church family is not where my membership's at. Now, they are a part of my church family and they support me, but that's not my church family. My church family's bigger than that. Um, I'm blessed to say that my church family stretches all across the state of Georgia. Right now, I've got church family in uh, a little church called Mount Chapel um, in Mississippi. Um, I've had the opportunity to preach down there to a group of people I never met before in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, but God has opened doors. And I, through all of this, I have learned one thing. Number one, well, more than one thing. Number one, don't be afraid to use the water glass. I had an old preacher tell me that. I was scared <laughs> to use it because I didn't. There wasn't many people that would uh, that would wash them things, anyways. And uh, old preacher said, "Don't be afraid to use that thing. It'll help you throw." That's the truth. <laughs> Another thing is, I don't know how to preach. Yeah. Um. A lot of people want to claim that they know how. Any man that's ever learned how to preach, tell me and tell me where in the Bible you found out how to preach as far as what to do besides follow God. I know there is a recipe for what a message ought to contain. Um, you know, the Bible says to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's a recipe for what a message ought to be um, and it ought to contain the gospel. But as far as knowing how to preach, there's not a man that knows how to preach. Yeah. God ought to be the one doing the preaching. And uh, But I've also learned to trust God. There's been times I've walked into service not had a thing. And I've studied. And it wasn't that I didn't study. And there's mm -hmm. been times that I hadn't studied and you know, it's been my own fault. But there's been times that um, I've walked into church not had nothing. And God's provided. God's took care. And, yeah. and God showed up and showed out. And um, a lot of times I question and wonder, God, why did you call me? Um, I could I could be in a whole lot different place. I, I, I'll say this a lot. If God hadn't called me to preach, there's two things. I was homeschooled. I didn't go to public school. <clears throat> so there's twofold thing there. If I hadn't been homeschooled and I hadn't been called to preach, I'd probably be drunk in some bar right now living like the devil himself and um have i messed up since i've announced my preacher calling lord yes yeah. um i've done things that that honestly i'll never mention i'll never tell nobody yeah. um but it has kept me out of a lot of trouble and i think that's really a blessing in disguise and i've learned a lot met a lot of people honestly 
had I not announced my preacher calling, there's a lot of friends that I have that I I wouldn't have today. Yeah. Um, because of it, but that's about the story of of my preacher calling and all its entirety, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and and from there you mentioned the podcast, mm-hmm. the level ground. We're, yep. We're gonna get to that here, I guess, towards the end of it, but uh, definitely gonna get the uh, the website and put that in the show notes for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so from there, kind of gonna turn it over to you. Whatever else you want to share, it could be stories from revivals. It could be something you struggled with. Um, if you want to share with everybody, just let them know. I mean, okay. we're we're not perfect. We're humans. You know, we 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 all break. Mm-hmm. We all struggle. I mean, it, there's no picture perfect Christian. And, and I think sometimes, especially, of course, you know, you, for some reason we idolize celebrities. Don't, I've yet figured mm-hmm. it out. But we think, oh, they're perfect. They don't do anything. Those big-name preachers, oh, they're perfect. They have the perfect life. They smile every time the camera's on them. So. Um, and you're spot on, man. I mean, growing up, I thought, if I had not have seen my daddy, mm-hmm. I would have thought preachers were perfect they got it figured out yeah i mean yeah. They, they've got something figured out that none of us do yeah um and honestly most people in the church i would think that mm-hmm. um but we've all got things we struggle with paul said that it was given him a thorn in the flesh and he besought the lord three times to remove it yeah and he found out that even though that thorn wouldn't remove the lord told him my grace is sufficient for thee yeah. god also said that his grace was made more perfect in weakness. And so there are things we struggle with. Me personally, um, I struggle with anxiety. Now, would I go so far as to say it's anxiety and depression? No, um, but it is anxiety. And a lot of people don't necessarily have never noticed this about me. You see me out in town, I'm happy-go-lucky, I'm smiling, Mm -hmm. but that's a front. not all the time. Now, I, I genuinely like to be a happy person and, and talk to people. Just because, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm being happy doesn't mean that it's a front. Um, yeah. yeah. But there's been a lot of times that it has been a front because because we have looked at preachers, and I, I'll just use preachers because that's all I know is being a preacher. We've looked at preachers and we've put them in a in a lifted up place to where a preacher can't sin. If a preacher sins, even the smallest sin, yeah. oh Lord, it's terrible. Um, if a preacher has heartache and shows it and is not strong all the time, um, then also, you know, that's just begging for more trouble to come from it. Um, and is that necessarily true that those things are that way? Eh, maybe, maybe not. With some people, yeah. With some people, no. Yeah. But more so than anything, I think it's just in the back of our minds. It's there, um, and and we can't help it. But I, I do. I struggle with anxiety, and and I have for years. Um, probably even as a teenager, um, was when it started as as an early teenager. Probably even really about the time I announced my preacher calling was, was when it, uh, was when it started and I didn't realize what it was. I just, you know, and of course, how can you get help if you don't realize if you don't accept it? Um, but growing up and going through church, I had heard preachers 
say, and I heard people say that, oh, you shouldn't worry, you shouldn't have anxiety, you should just trust God. I've heard God can do what no pill can. I've heard, um, you know, you don't need to see no therapist, you need to see the Lord. And what that done was that pre-programmed my brain to think because I had anxiety, I was good for nothing. And there's something wrong. And there was yeah. something very wrong with yeah. me. Yeah. And um, there's two instances where uh, where it got pretty bad. And and I struggle. I mean, this isn't just a here today, gone tomorrow type thing. I mean, it, it's there. Mm-hmm. There are times that it might flare up and, and it get worse. Um, but one thing that had happened was... Um, I ended up in a group of a bunch of young people going to a bunch of different revivals um, out of Lumpkin County. And we had went to revival after revival after revival after revival. I can't remember how. There was one summer, there was a list, and I mean, they had counted how many just revival services we had been to, and it was a crazy number. And we were seeing souls saved left and right. And, I mean, we had a list of how many people we'd seen saved, you know, that year because we went and visited all these revivals. And, um, in a way, that group of young people that I was involved with kind of helped to... We went to help a church, pretty much. I mean, Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't go around saying, well, hey, we're going to help these churches. No, we just went to, to worship the Lord. Yeah. But ended up helping these churches. And the more we went, the more we wanted to go. Then finally one day I snapped. Just out of the blue. Um, And I'll never forget it as long as I live. I I was at um, Mount Gilead. Well, actually, my mom and dad, I was at home. Mom and dad said, and I was sitting there and I was just shaking like a leaf. And... Mom and Daddy said, come with us. We're going to Mount Gideon tonight. I said, okay, well, when we get there, by the time we pull in the parking lot, I'm throwing up. I don't want to go in. I'm nervous. We're up. I can't do this. Um, and uh, they talked me into it. I went in. Finally got me calmed down. Um, then a few days later, I went and talked to a preacher that I know and, and just went and, and sat with him for a few hours and talked about... Um, about having anxiety and um he looked at me and he said part of the problem was that I was pouring into my body so much of the Lord and I was pouring into a broken vessel um not spiritual vessel this vessel of flesh is a broken body it's a broken flesh it's it's never going to be perfect um it'll never be made fully whole um and what I was doing was I was filling myself so much with the Spirit that my body couldn't handle it. And I was going and going and going past what the, um, I guess you'll say, the restrictions of my body would let me. Yeah. And I had burnt myself out uh, physically. And so what had happened was I had drained myself. And, of course, anybody that knows anything about anxiety knows that you got to sleep good, mm-hmm. you know. So I took that as, <clears throat> okay, you know. So I started trying to rest. And um, 
I was fine. That, that wasn't even really that bad. Um, but then, this was actually last year. Um, and just, that was all kind of, all manner of things happened. Um, I helped in uh, a good many revivals. Um, and they were just back to back, you know, and, and I was getting tired. And I was going to visit in other places. And it just kept getting worse, getting worse, getting worse. And some other things had happened. And and it just kept piling one all on top of the other. And honestly, if you hollered boo real loud at me, I would have made a new door wherever I was at. Um, I was that jumpy. Yeah. And um, then I guess it was sometime in the summer, uh, the middle of the summer, probably uh, probably in June, maybe July, I hit my breaking point. Um, and I'm not saying this for pity. I'm saying this for, I mean, this is a real thing that happens to real people. Yeah. Um, and I had got back in the cycle of not sleeping. I had quit eating. Um, Part of that could have been the heat, or was the heat from work, but the heat mixed with, with anxiety, those two together just didn't mesh. And, um, you know, I had quit eating, and I just, I didn't have a drive to go do anything. I was not me, I was not myself. Yeah. Um, and I was lost in my thoughts a lot. And um, so, between the not sleeping, the not eating, and all that. Not only had my anxiety gotten worse because of that, but I was puking every morning, puking multiple times during the day, throwing up, getting sick. Um, and I had lost from about 190 pounds to, in the middle of July last year, about 135. Mm. Um, and didn't even realize that. I mean, it was just sudden. Yeah. And not even really sudden. It kind of crept up on me. Then all of a sudden, boom, there was, there was yeah. the... Um, the issue and <clears throat> so the the straw that broke the camel's back I was sitting there and I, I had started to have a panic attack and um, I remember saying these words I wish I had never been called to preach why does God hate me um, and honestly I was sitting there wishing God would just take me on. Um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I'm going to keep you from getting an explicit rating on your podcast well, as well. I appreciate that. Um, I, I was not wanting to unalive myself. I never, those thoughts never yeah. crossed my mind. Yeah. Um, but I did wish God would take me on. If he would have, you wouldn't have complained. Exactly. Yeah. And because heaven would be far better than what that circumstance I was in. Yeah. And I never went through a phase of unbelief in God um, and unbelief in was he there for me? Did he love me? But it was an un unbelief in he's done working with me, done working through me, yeah. you know, uh, along those lines. And, um, and honestly, this is probably the deepest I've ever told this. But I know it's a very real thing. Mm -hmm. 
um, you look at the suicide rate in uh, in the world with young adults and uh, teenagers. You know, you look at if you were to talk now, there are some people. I, I I'm just being honest. There are some people that do not have anxiety that try to claim that they do, just for the attention. Yeah. But there are some people that genuinely have it, and you know, and they need help. Yeah. Um, and, long, and a lot of times they don't they don't speak about yes. it. They don't ask for help. Mm-hmm. They don't want to share because they they've been hot wired just like you were. Something's wrong with me. Yeah. I I shouldn't have this. And it's nobody's fault. Yeah. I, you know I I don't want to. Blame it on those people you hurt. Because were they wrong in what they were saying? No, because they're right. God can give you something that no pill can. Yeah. Um, God is a great counselor, you know, but then he's better than any therapist. And, yeah. and no, we shouldn't worry because we need to trust God, but we are still human and we're still flesh and blood. Yeah. And, um, but, and, and, this is, but like I said, this is a very real thing, and and I just hope that in my testimony with what I went through, that um, it shows other people, hey, there's actually people in the church, yeah, in real life that struggle yeah. with this, you know, it's okay, yeah. um, and that night I apparently blacked out um, when I was having this this panic attack because I don't remember it, and and they yeah. told they told me later what. Uh, I had done, but when I come to, I was in the car heading up the road talking to my pastor, and or going to talk to my pastor, and so we head up the road, and um, and I sat there with him, and he looked, and he was talking, and I, and I just flat told him, I said, God's done with me, God doesn't want to use me anymore, um, you know, I, how can God use a broken vessel like this? Yeah. Um, when in all reality, we're all broken vessels if you're looking at the flesh. Um, and, you know, and, and that was the way, the way I was. I thought that, you know, that I was just not going to be a help to nobody. And I would sit in my little hole somewhere, hide, and, you know, and just say, forget it. No. Um, but he looked at me and he said, no, son. He said, you keep going. He said, if you need to go... And he didn't give me no great grand... Now, he did give me some scripture. Don't get me wrong. But he didn't give me no great grand theological advice. But this is what he said to me. He said, if you need to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. And just talking and pouring out to him, I felt better. We prayed and um, then went on and... I went to the doctor and, you know, and, and everything. We got everything situated. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I said all that to say this. Um, if somebody that's listening to this might be going through the same thing, if you have diabetes, what are you going to do? You're going to go get a pill for your diabetes to help your sugar. If you got high blood pressure, you're going to go get a pill for your high blood pressure. If, you know... If you have troubles, you're going to go and, and you need to talk to somebody or as people talk about marriage counseling and, and this, that, and other. Nobody's got any problems against marriage counseling. Yeah. But for some reason, there's a stigma put on seeing a counselor. Now, 
if you just like with anxiety, anxiety is a medical condition that you need help for. And I fully believe it's either in something we eat, it's in there's some kind of radio waves coming from our phones, something that's causing it because of how many people has it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But if you know, when I just sucked it up and I went and I got the help that I needed, yeah. I was able to function. Yeah. And I was able to get back. I was able to gain weight back and all of these things. And what God was doing, I think, was I I hadn't got prideful. I wasn't prideful, but I think God was breaking me down, just bringing me low again, just so that I could look up and see him one more time and see how magnified he was. Yeah. Um, you know, just like I said that Paul had besought the Lord three times to, to take that thorn in the flesh away. Mm-hmm. Um, some people believe that it could have been his eyes because of the scales that was on it. I don't know. Other people believe it could have been anxiety. Say it was anxiety. Paul functioned with anxiety, I dare say. Mm-hmm. And if that's the thorn that he had in his flesh, he probably did want to give up. He probably did want to throw his hands up and say, I'm done with this. Yeah. But Paul got the help that he needed, and he still trusted God in that. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I had to get was to realize that it may just be a thorn in my flesh, and if it's a thorn in my flesh, then that's okay. Yeah. Um, God's grace is still sufficient. Exactly. And, you know, I'll tell anybody. I've had people ask me, what do I need to do? I, and I've encouraged them, you know, go seek the help that you need. Go go get. And, and, and of course, pray about it. Ask God. Talk to God. God may raw to work and raw to miracle and take yeah. it away. Yeah. And God may calm you. And, and But God did touch some doctor's hands for a reason. And they might be able to give you help as well. But... But that was a struggle. I mean, it got to the point, man, where I didn't even want to go preach on Sundays yeah. if I had an appointment. And But looking now, I mean, here I am coming up on a year past the, the actual breakdown that I had. And number one, I realized this is a real thing that happens to real people. Yeah. It's a real thing that happens to real Christians. Mm-hmm. But I've also realized that even when I'm at my lowest... God is still there. He's yeah. still magnified. Yeah. For when I am weak, then is he strong. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I know that, you know, we've kind of went on now from a testimony maybe to just talking. But, um, you know, I don't know what anybody that listens to this in podcast land, you don't know who happens up on it. Yeah. And there's so many things people in the world go through. Whether it is anxiety, whether it is depression, whether it's uh, worry, whether it's doubting your salvation, whether it's uh, problems at home, I mean, and different ages even have different... I don't have the same problems now at 24 that I had at 14. No. And at 14, I didn't have the same problems that I did at four, you know. Um, Even in a period of a year or two, your problems can change as life goes yeah. on. Life changes, and yeah. but in all of that, God has showed me no my my ways are not His ways. His ways are higher than mine. Yeah. God always knows best, and God has also showed me that He does have a plan. Yeah. Um, I can see where God has grown me, 
not only in the ministry, but how God has grown me into putting my faith in him more after that. Yeah. Um, and what he done was he made me again a new vessel. I, I was broken and he made my spiritual vessel again into a new vessel and and something that could help other people. Yeah. And I don't know what anybody's going through, but God is the answer. Yeah. You know, um, and God can lead you to where the help is. Yeah. Um, but through all of that, through God saving me, through him calling me to preach, the 10 years I've been trying to preach, through, through the struggles with anxiety, through all these other things, God's been with me every step of the way. Do I have some great grand testimony? (laughs) No. But it's mine and I'm proud of it and I'm going to stand by it and what God done for me as a 12 year old little boy is going to stick and it's going to stay. Yeah. Um, And and it's going to carry me on past this life Mm -hmm. into the next and um, and I'm thankful for it. Yeah. But there's an analogy I heard. You ever seen the movie The Replacements? No. It's not a Christian movie. Don't anybody mishear what I'm about to say. It's about football. It's comedy. And it is funny. Mm-hmm. It's Keanu Reeves. Back early, pre-Matrix Keanu. He gets called in um, during a strike to be the quarterback of a team. They bring in another coach, all this good stuff. The night before the biggest game of the season with these scab players Mm because, you know, other ones are on strike. Keanu's the quarterback out there practicing. The coach says, you look like a duck on the pond. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, on the surface you look calm, but underneath your legs are just kicking 90 miles Mm -hmm. a minute. They carry on conversation. Finally, he asks the coach, what about you? He goes, I'm just another duck on the pond. I think that's how a lot of Christians are. Mm -hmm. We may be okay above the surface, holding together by, by prayer and duct tape. Mm-hmm. But boy, you get an inch deep below, and how we feel, mm-hmm. what's in our mind is just—it's just chaos, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and we we try to take Christianity and make Christianity and the whole premise of it and the whole concept of of Christianity. And I'm not going to say I'm not going to say religion. I'm not going to say Baptist. I, I'm saying Christianity. Yeah. That's what we ought to be. We ought to be Christians. We ought to be Christ-like. Best we can. We're going to mess up. We're going to do things that we ought not do. That, that's inevitable. Um, but the whole concept of Christianity is not a natural thing. No. It is not, it's not anything that, that is of this world. It's supernatural. It is of God. It is not of this world. And we got to realize that in this flesh, we ain't never going to keep up. We can do the best we can, but we're, we're never going to keep up. And this verse has also become... I don't want to say it has become cliche. The the Bible should never become cliche, but I think we've heard it so much that we don't realize exactly what it means. The Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Every one of us has a worth. Every one of us has... I may doubt my self-worth. There's a lot of times I don't feel like I'm worth nothing. Yeah. And and most of us probably feel that way, but God made me and made me for a purpose Mm -hmm. and has a purpose for my life. Now, you have to ask God and you have to find out what that purpose is sometimes. But he made you for a purpose. Who you are, how you are, why you are the way you are, all of that can be used for that purpose. Yeah. Um, because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Yeah. Um, a lot of times we want to tell, you know, girls that don't feel like they're pretty enough, oh, you're strictly and wonderfully made. And even as guys, we don't, as men, we don't take that verse and apply it. But God took the time to even, you look at Adam. God took the time to create Adam and to form him from the dust of the earth. Mm-hmm. Even though he could have spoken into existence and God had the power, the Bible said he formed man from the dust of the earth. Mm-hmm. And to be 100% honest, I have this mental image. And the Bible doesn't say this, and he, and he may not, but I feel like God took a little extra special time creating man and sculpted him and made him. And then when he was done and he looked, and saw that it laid there dead. He breathed the breath of life into its nostrils. And at the end of that day, he said it was good. Yeah. And you look at the human body and you look at what all has been put in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we ain't even got enough time to talk about all of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just... You got eight pounds of gray matter up here that's just quicker than most computers out there. Exactly. Yeah. And, ha- and God's put all that together. Yeah. Strands of DNA with millions upon millions yeah. of bits of inf- information yeah. that, as far as I know, man still can't decode fully to this day. And, you know, cells that re- generate and replenish and get a cut, it heals. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean, yeah. and God made that, and God thought about this, and mm-hmm. God planned this ahead when he made man. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That word wonder, or wonderfully, or wonderful, literally means full of wonder. We were made full of wonder, full of a wonderful work God had done. And a lot of times I think we forget that. And that's how we get in those shapes where we don't feel like we're good enough. Um, Will I ever be good enough to get into heaven? No. No. Will I ever be good enough to really work for God? No. But I was fearfully and wonderfully made, and God loves me. Yeah. And God does have a purpose for me. Does that mean I'm going to mess up? Yeah. Does that mean that I'm going to do things God's not going to be proud of? Oh, yeah, it does. But God still loves me through all that, and he made me for a purpose, made me for a reason. And regardless of what state that I'm in, I believe Paul said that he, he found out that regardless of what state he was in, he learned to therein be content. Yep. Be content with where God's put you. Be content with how God made you. Mm-hmm. And just love him and let him love you. Yeah. And that's what that's what's helped me the most was is just realizing that God made me how he made me. I can't change it. He loves me how I am. Everybody <laughs> else is either going to have to love me how I yeah, am or get yeah. out of my life or get, get, get <laughs> out of right. that one, you know? I that's mean, right. There's people that don't like me, you know, and and that's all right because God loves me, and that's yeah. all that matters at yeah. the end of the day. But, so you're talking about for that purpose, let, let's go ahead and circle back to your uh, your podcast. What was that process? Was it God saying, I need somebody to do this, and God say, and you say, well, I know so-and-so would be better at that. And him look at you and go, why not you? Was it, was it something like that? Or was it just God said, hey, I need you to do it. And you're like, Lord, I, I done been beat up so much. I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to do it. I don't, I don't want to ask any questions. Uh, to be honest, when, when the idea came, it came, or the idea, uh, the burden, I guess, came, it came, I was on the phone with a friend of mine um, talking, and it came fresh after my just face plant, yeah. you know, after I'd hit rock bottom. At a low point. And we just got talking. It started as a joke. 
I said, man, I'm going to start a podcast. And we was talking on the phone and, and you know, I said, well, we ought to start a podcast and talk about, you know, what we talk about on the phone because we'd have some deep Bible conversations yeah. and it was good. And um, then he was like, yeah, man, let's do it, you know. And um, as time went on, we, uh, I'd still mention it. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Well, what for him was just, you know, and I, I still tell him this day, if he wants to come on and be yeah. a co-host or whatever, come on because, you know, it was that way to begin with. But what for him I feel like was just, you know, a good idea or whatever, to me became a heavy burden. And um, that's and again, nothing against him. I mean, that I truly believe this is what purpose God had for me in that moment. And yeah. so it started with me researching. And, and I prayed and I prayed and just tossed around the idea. And um, finally it got to where it's keeping me up at night. And I kept it top secret, hushity hush. Um, and God kind of told me, he was like, and he probably told you the same thing, you know, when you felt the need or you felt the same way. Men used to preach on the radio all the time. Yep. Um, people used to take preachers to the radio station, get up there, and they'd preach. And, um, and you know, they would maybe preach to 30,000, 40,000. And even now, there's radio stations preach to 30,000, 40,000. Yep. Yep. But with podcasts and the Internet, you can reach... Millions upon millions upon millions of people. I can watch, you know, on the the directory that I've got my my podcast on. I mean, you can watch it go up and down and up and down, and you yeah. can see where all these people are. And it's absolutely amazing, yeah, um, where some of these are listening. And but anyways, and it started like that, and then I started trying to get grounded on what it was going to be about, what it was going to be like. Was it going to preach on it? Was it going to be Bible study? Um, was it going to be radio show with interviews? What did I want to hone in on? For a while, I said that I was just going to interview old preachers and, you know, pretty much so we had a recording of the old preachers that, you know, so that later on my kids could listen to it. Um, but it morphed from that, and I preached a message in a revival I helped at last year called The Ground is Level at the Cross and how that it doesn't matter who is saved they've all got to get to the cross and got to get to jesus and where that cross sat the ground was level um and that's kind of how we the so i named the podcast the level ground podcast um the level ground podcast if you look up level ground podcast it pulls up another one that i didn't look into that ahead of time um but uh i didn't look into my name either i probably should have made sure nothing was copyrighted but there's um, there's another mending moment podcast not moments and it's capital m-e-n and mending and it's a men's uh mentor ah, group kind of for young men so ah, so, yeah i found it the other week yeah and (laughs) um and so after i'd kind of got settled on that and i kind of you know picked out what direction i was going to go which ended up being more of Right now, it's more of a Bible study type thing, but, you know, really, it's just... expounding upon Scripture. You're bringing out history. You're yes. bringing out um, not just, like, not saying, okay, well, this verse means this, but you're saying, here in this city, this is what happened. Yes. Here in this city, around, you're, you're providing background for the Scripture. And to be honest, I like to tell people I'm having real conversations yeah. about real topics yeah. in a real world 
that needed. Yeah. And, um, you know, preaching in a pulpit, you ain't got enough time to necessarily expound a full 30, 45 minutes, an hour on, you know, what's going on. But I started praying and, and asking God, you know, God, what do I do? And, and this is another way how I knew God was pushing me to this. God started giving me episodes. Of course, it was different outlining things, and because yeah. I was I was trying to keep everything organized and have them planned out ahead of time, knowing what I was going to cover, um, because you, I had a very I had very specific material for each episode that I had to organize, and yeah. you could look in my phone before I started, <laughs> and I, and I still got a, a bunch of notes collected. If I lose my phone, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like before I, the podcast started, I had you know thirty that was lined up just ready to. Uh, for me to record her. and some of them now they're ready some of them you know I'm just waiting you know to feel like I need to record them, whatever but anyways I started that and then I sat back and I played around with the idea and I looked into podcasting and what I needed and how to do it and reached out to other I, I got in touch with like two very big podcasters how I don't know I just stepped out on faith yeah. and said you know and then I look back and, um, and you know, and look, you know, I look now and realize God was working then. And I ordered everything and, uh, you know, my recording studio, I guess you'd say, and got all the equipment yeah. and got set up. And that first episode, I sat down, I bowed my head and I said, God, I'm not doing this for a name for me. Yeah. I'm doing this for you. And to reach the lost, and ultimately that ought to be our goal, yeah. you know, in anything we do. And I said, God, I don't, I didn't feel like I needed to preach because there's some people that are not going to listen to preaching, yeah. um, as far as what what we're used to and everything. And and but I felt the need to just expound on scripture. Yeah. And um, I sat there. The first night, give my testimony on the podcast. Um, I had the thought, middle ground. And if you want to find out what the middle ground is, you know. You got to tune you in. Got, yeah. You got to find yeah, the yeah, podcast. Yeah, you got to tune in. And, um, but uh, I had sat there and, and I have went back. And, and for the first few episodes, I had to go through and tweak, you know, the yeah. sound and everything. Yeah, and, and get everything right and, and whatnot. But at the end of the podcast... I went back to each one and I would listen to them. Not because I wanted to hear me talk. I hate hearing myself talk. Mm -hmm. um, but I went back and I was listening just to make sure that the sound was right. But next thing I know, I started hearing things that I didn't even realize I had said. Yeah. And what God had done was, then I looked at my notes and there was notes I didn't even remember taking. I'm still to this day, right now, you know, I try to record on Thursdays, and I can look at my notes and say they're notes from way back months ago. I remember when I wrote them, but I do not remember majority of what's in there yeah. um, and what was written. Um, and it doesn't even sound, some of the stuff that's in there doesn't even sound like I was the one who wrote it anyways. Yeah. Um, but then I, you go back, and a lot of these podcasts, and when I go back and listen to them, try to make sure that this audio is okay and everything else, and... Uh, I, I don't remember saying half of this stuff, you yeah. know. But God has blessed it. Um, 
we launched end of uh, end of January. We're at it a little over a month now, and um, we've we're on our eighth episode. Yeah. Um, we've got little over a thousand, right around little over a thousand listeners. Um, we're in 30, 31 states right now, um, and seven countries. Um, that's including, um, Ireland, Vietnam, uh, the UK, um, Jordan, Mexico, Russia, um, of course the U.S., I'm probably missing one, um, but God has blessed. Yeah. Um, and another thing that we felt led to do was that anybody that needed a Bible, they get a Bible free of charge. I don't care where you're from. You from uh, Timbuktu? Literally Timbuktu? Yeah. I'll send you a Bible. It's you know, Bible. if you're yeah. from if you from way back in the bush of. <clears throat> Alaska, I'll find some bush pilot to fly you a plane and drop it to you in your campsite, you know? That's right. Um, But yeah, we just, we felt like it was our little work. God put it on our heart heavy. Yeah. And we're going to step into it. Um, I tell a lot of people, um, and I was scared to tell people, I was scared that I would fall under a lot of scrutiny by some church folk. Um, Really was. Um, But really I'd found out that it didn't matter. I was going to do what God wanted me to do and, and if they didn't like it, they can get over it. Yeah. Um, but God has. God God is blessed and God has showed me that I just need to trust Him. And I, I've said this a lot. Um, the Bible says that we must work while it's day for the night cometh when no man can work. Yeah. The night's coming. Night's coming quick. Yeah. I want to be the fellow that's got a hold of the plow, working, plow on the fields. Uh, you know, whether I, whether I'm plowing, whether I'm watering. Yeah. I don't care. I just want God to give the increase at the end of the day, but I want to be found doing, you know, what God wants us to do. So, so uh, Level Ground Podcast. Mm-hmm. What's the URL on the pod be? Uh, I'm, I'm going to put it in the notes, but I thought you had it memorized by now. No. <laughs> okay, never mind. Uh, because, honestly, most people don't find it on, on the yeah. website. Well, uh, it's on Facebook. It's on Facebook. The Level Ground Podcast. You can go like, like it on Facebook, and I actually... We've been trying to promote the Facebook because if I, if we're going to do a very special thing if yeah. we get, you know, 500 followers yeah. and um, get it on there, we're going to do something very special and start trying to get interactive with the people that listen to it. Yeah. Um, but it's on Facebook at the Level Ground Podcast um, and then on Instagram at levelground.22. Um, you can email us at levelgroundpod, P-O-D, 22, at gmail.com. Um, we're on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, anywhere you want to listen to a podcast, <laughs> yeah. that's where we're at. Go yeah. find us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and we, we'd, love, we'd love to hear from you, you know. Yeah. And, well, send in questions, send in topics. Exactly. Hey, what does the Bible say about anxiety? What does the Bible say about depression? What does the Bible say about this? Oh, yeah. And I, I, I get at least one message a week saying, hey, I don't know if you'll ever get to us, but, you know, I, a buddy of mine texts me. He's like, you should do judgment. Yeah. Talk about judgment, you know, yeah. and people judging others yeah. in a podcast. And it's in the works, you know, because mm-hmm. that helps because it's a lot sometimes for mm-hmm. one one guy to sit up and come, come up with. I mean, you, you just think there's 52 weeks in a year and we're airing once a week. 
I mean, it's 52 ideas. Yeah, 52 ideas a year, and then you yeah. go on from that. You yeah, know? and it takes you a week to get ready. So. At least. Yeah, um, and it's good to hear from, from them. This is what I'm facing. What mm-hmm. does the Bible say about it? So mm-hmm. you know it's at least helping or affecting somebody's life, yeah. pointing them in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. and, and too, we're going we're gonna to try to do some things, get some guests in, and um, got, uh, got a few different ones from... Uh, locally from around here I've uh, got a fellow who actually worked for Ken Ham at the Creation Museum uh, and uh, worked at the Ark Encounter he, yeah. he preaches and teaches uh, creation and stuff he's going to come on and, and be with us you know so we've got plans in the works yeah. and we're going to try to try to get the word out and everything And um, because not only is it to lead people to Christ but it's to strengthen what's there exactly you know yeah. and um, it's a good way to put it mm-hmm Anything else you want to share? No, I'm good. <laughs> All right. We've done made this a instead of a one hour deal, we've made it in about a two hour about deal. About two hours, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, if you want to, if, if you got nothing else to share, if you want to go ahead and close out in prayer, we'll be all right. God, we come to you, Lord, just as humbly as we know how. We're thankful for this time, uh, God, to sit here, uh, Lord, with Andrew. Lord, we thank you, God. Uh, for giving him the burden, God, for a podcast. And, um, Lord, we know all too well, God, how much of a blessing it can be. And, um, Lord, we know that there's millions upon millions of people out there that uh, right now may be trying to find answers uh, for something. And, Lord, we know that they can hit a button and all of a sudden uh, they can find uh, this podcast, this recording. And Lord, we pray, God, that right now if there be uh, somebody out there looking as soon as this is uh, published, Lord, or, or whenever it may be, Lord, I pray, God, that if somebody just inclines their ear and tunes in just for a second, God, you'd give them some help. God, you touch them, and Lord, I pray that you would send this where you'd have it to go, and God, if it uh, has to go across the world for it to find its lodging place, God, then yeah. send it across the world for it to find its lodging place, and yeah. God, we pray, Lord, most of all, God, that you would just save the lost through this podcast, Lord, that this would cause a desire for people to want to know you. Yeah. And God, we pray, Lord, that you bless Andrew, bless his efforts, Lord. And I pray, God, that you just go with us now. Lead God, guide, and direct us. All these things we ask in your precious son's holy name. Amen.